0: Thank you for listening to the podcast of Palmetto Baptist Church. We pray that as you listen to the following message, that it will encourage you to continue to connect, grow, and serve in your relationship with God and with others. Well, good evening, folks. Pastor, thank you so much. And uh, Chris and Matt and all of you, thanks so much for the warm welcome. Welcome. Tonight, uh, I, I've looked forward to this for many weeks, to being here with you. Uh, take your Bibles if you've got them. We're going to be reading out of the book of John tonight. John chapter 4. And while you're turning, can I just... I, I feel obligated, I need to tell you this. Normally, Gary and I don't wear uniforms. Tonight, it's just a circumstance that we wear black pants, gray shirt, and a red sweater vest. We normally don't normally color match, but for y'all, we did. So, praise the Lord for that. <clears throat> However, I, I got to tell you this. Uh, someone, someone in my church tonight told me that, that wearing a sweater vest makes me look slim. And, and so, from now on, 100 degrees, I'm wearing a sweater vest on Sunday morning, baby. <laughs> So you can count on the air conditioner on in the wintertime. (laughs) Praise the Lord. (laughs) Do you have your Bibles? Uh, Stand with me. Let's read together John chapter 4. We're going to start all the way in verse 46 of John chapter 4. God's perfect word. John 4. So, He came again to Cana in Galilee where he had made the water to wine. And at Capernaum there was an official whose son was sick. When this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went to him and he asked him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. And so Jesus said to him, Unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. And the official said to him, Sir... Come down before my child dies. And Jesus said to him, Go, your son will live. And the man believed the word that Jesus spoke and went on his way. And as he was going down, his servants met him and told him that his son was recovering. And so he asked the hour when he was beginning to get better. And so they began to say to him, Yesterday at the seventh hour the fever left. And the father knew that it was at that hour that Jesus had said, Your son will live. And he himself believed in all of his house. Will you pray with me? Father, I ask in these next few moments that you allow us the privilege of seeing the evidence of the presence of the power of the Holy Spirit tonight. And God, I ask that tonight you would interrupt us. God, I ask that tonight you would disturb us. God, I ask that tonight you would shake us into reality That you're a God that can be trusted in the middle of everything that's just gone wrong. Lord, I pray that you take us to that new place of trust tonight. And it's all these things that we pray in your wonderful name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Go ahead. Have a seat. Folks, I believe with all my heart that... that... We need to have a faith that dreams the incredible and can do the impossible. And tonight, in our story, we meet a man that, through different circumstances, God calls to a higher level of trust. Now, tonight, we're celebrating Thanksgiving. And, and for all of us this week, uh, we've, been, we've been talking about Thanksgiving and... And I don't mean to embarrass my son again, but I will. Uh, this Yesterday, we were at my sister's home celebrating Thanksgiving. And my brother-in-law had this great idea. He said, let's go around the room and everybody say a quick prayer about something that you're thankful for. And everybody went around the room, 20-some-odd people. And we were right there at the end and came to us. and. My little girl, she was just baptized a couple of weeks ago, and she just just ripped everybody's heart out. She said, thank you, Lord, for letting me be baptized and for coming to live in my heart. And everybody was, oh, so sweet. And then my son says, dear God, thanks for mom. That was it. Forget about old dad. (laughs) So it's Thanksgiving. I love you, buddy. But you're going to live that one down for a long, long time. But here we have a man who God was going to take him to a new place where he could give something to be thankful for. And so tonight what I want to do is I want to very quickly just kind of walk you through these lessons that he learns and that he passes on to us. And then I think maybe at the end of the night, I really think God wants to, to take us to a place where we commit to trust Him on a different level. And we begin to trust Him in such a way that we do begin to dream the incredible. And we do begin to do the impossible because of the faith and the confidence that we have in our Heavenly Father. So are you ready? Lesson number one is that when grief strikes us, In God we trust. See, look at it. In in, in verse 46, So Jesus came to Cana of Galilee, where he, He made His first miracle. He turned water into wine. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick. And when he heard that Jesus had come into Judea from Galilee, he went to him and He implored him to come and to heal his son, for he was at the point of death. This nobleman... Uh, The the Greek word nobleman is where we get the word kingdom. And so we learned that this was an officer of the court. And so he had a lot of money, he had a lot of power, he had a lot of influence, but he had a problem. This man's son was at the point of death. And I'm certain that because he had so much money and he had so much influence that he spared no expense in trying to make sure that his son was going to have the best medical care. And yet... In the process of all that he tried to do for his son, he discovered how little money can really do. And he discovered what money cannot buy. He discovered that, you know, money can give us degrees, but money can't buy us discernment. How many educated idiots do you know? You know, money can buy sex, but it can't buy love. Money can buy... People, but it can't buy influence. Friendships. It, can't, it can buy pleasure, but it can't buy peace. And so the man learns a very hard lesson. That of all that he had and all that he had available to him, he could not do what he wanted to do. He watched life flow out of the one that he loved. And it was grief. And it was grief that brought him to this place. And yet it was tragedy that, that pushed him. It was tragedy and it was trouble that pushed him towards the arms of Jesus. And it was the dying son that caused him to have an encounter with a divine Savior. And if we realize that, you know what, sometimes grief, if it wasn't for grief in this man's life, he never would have found grace. And so grief is not a bad tool after all and it pushed him and it pushed him until he began to realize that there was a purpose and folks anything that brings you closer to jesus is a blessing anything that brings you closer to jesus is a gift and so the man is about to discover it and so he comes to jesus and he literally begs jesus come into my house come to my house come to my house come to my, my house heal my son come into my house and jesus says this most unusual thing Unless you people see signs, verse 48, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. Now, when he says you that were, he's not necessarily talking to the Father, he's talking to the crowd because you here is plural. He says, folks, look, I understand what you're here to do. You're not here to worship, you're here for some wonders. And so Jesus could read the minds of the people. Do you think anything's changed? People flock to the fabulous, don't they? And I was thinking about this earlier. If if I were to announce tonight at Ramah that next Sunday we were to have a good old-fashioned, you know, holy, hanky, miraculous, healing, drink some poison, handle some snakes kind of a meeting, you'd be surprised that the line would probably stretch all the way down to Bradley's. But yet the same folks wouldn't cross the street to hear the gospel. And they probably wouldn't cross the street to get right with God. And they probably wouldn't cross the street to get saved. And so Jesus says, look, I understand what's happening here. Nothing's changed. Most people don't understand... Well, yeah, most people don't understand that the miracle of grace is more powerful than the miracle of glory. And so that's what we're going to learn here tonight. And so what we have is that, is that Jesus basically looks at him and he says, folks, you don't need any kind of a sign. You need to have a confrontation with the Savior. You don't need any kind of a miracle. You need to get to know the Master. And by the way, do you know that you can believe in miracles and not know the Master? And so we have Jesus who says, you know what, this nobleman's problem was that at the beginning, now and it's stressful and it's important that we stress at the beginning that this this man's problem at the beginning that he was more concerned and more interested in the presence of Jesus or the power of Jesus than he was his promise because that's exactly what he was about to get instead. So you know what we learned? We learned that grief, we learned that grief was a tool that God uses to push us into the arms of Jesus because it's in grief that we learn to trust Him to a higher level. And I believe God's calling us to a higher level as a church. I believe that's exactly what He needs for His people to have a fresh encounter with, a fresh trusting level with Him tonight. So when grief strikes you, don't run away from it. Don't be afraid of it. Grief is a tool where he's asking you to say, and God will I trust. Then we learn a second lesson. And it's about God's words. Because you see, Jesus did what the man wanted him to do, but he didn't do it the way the man wanted him to do it. Does that happen with anybody else in the room? Because it happens to me a lot. You know, and what happens is when we pray, we we always know more than he does. Does that happen to you, God? If I were you, hey God, I have a great idea. And so Jesus did what he wanted him to do, but he didn't do it the way he wanted him to do it. In fact, the man wanted Jesus to come into his house. I guess he thought maybe that Jesus had a healing range and he had a certain distance, but distance doesn't matter to the Lord Jesus. And so (laughs) he didn't do it the way he wanted him to do it. So what we have here is that Jesus refuses to come. And the reason was, Jesus was more concerned with the Father's faith than he was the Son's sickness. And i got news for you. God's more concerned with your faith tonight than your finances, than your feelings, your family, or even your future. I have all these thoughts running through my mind and I'm asking the Lord for discernment. We have so much... And we, have, we can have everything that this life has to offer. You can be in the greatest shape in the world. You can have the nicest house that it can buy. But without faith, it's impossible to please God. So Jesus says, go your way. Go your way. Your son lives. The man's harping on healing That Jesus wants to focus on his faith. Go your way. Your son lives. What? No, Jesus, you don't seem to understand. I want you to come into my house and heal him. No, go, he says. Your son lives. And, And the scripture doesn't tell us that he says the phrase, I believe, but he demonstrates it because in verse 50, it says that he went his own way. And folks, that's the definition of faith. The definition of real faith is when we take Jesus at His Word. That whatever Jesus said, we believe it, and it'll happen. That's faith. And so He went. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Jesus, whatever you say. And although He didn't understand it, it didn't make sense to Him, the Bible says, as soon as He said, Go your way, your Son lives... It says, so the man, the audacity to just believe it. But he did. He turned and he left. Jesus says, look, I'm going to give you, you know what, in fact, you know what, sir? I am not going to give you my presence. You want me to come into your house? I am not going to give you my presence. In fact, you want me to show a demonstration of my power? I'm not going to do that right here and now, but I'll tell you what I'll do, and I'll give you something that's even better than that. I'm going to make a promise. In fact, if you just trust me, your son will be healed. And at this point, the nobleman is at a crossroads and he has a fork, he's got to choose. Is he going to have faith and is he going to trust and have confidence in what Jesus has to say? Or is he going to live a life of fear and of doubt and uncertainty? And, And again, verse 50, it says it right here. He went his way. So many of us are looking for a work From God, when really all we really need is a word from God. And I got news for you. If a word from God isn't enough for you, then a work of God isn't going to be enough for you. We have got to take Jesus at His word, we have got to take the Bible for its word. And he says, you want to see a great work? Then you've got to trust my word. And what's even better is that the moment he turned away, the the moment he says, okay, I'm going to trust you. At that moment, his son, the fever broke. And at that moment, the healing began. Instantly, 22 miles away, Jesus says, if you'll just Trust me. You can dream the incredible, and I'll do the impossible. But first, you've got to trust me. So real faith is just simply taking Jesus at His word. Real faith is putting all our eggs in a basket and counting the chickens before they hatch. Because Jesus said so. Jesus said so whether or not we believe it. So third lesson. First lesson is when grief strikes, we have to trust in God. The second lesson, when God speaks to us, we have to take Him at His word. And the third lesson is about grace. Because if you keep reading, in verse 52... The moment he turns and he said, your son lives, he discovers his servants are coming up. And hey, when did my son begin to be healed? Oh, about the seventh hour. That's interesting because that's exactly when Jesus told me he would heal him. And the Bible says in verse 52 and 53 that he believed and his whole house believed. Listen to me. If you want your home to be changed, you've got to take God's word for what God's Word is. If you want your marriage to be different, you've got to take Him at His Word. If you want to have a great relationship between your children and your grandchildren, you've got to take God's Word and trust God's Word. And we've got to quit listening to what Hollywood has to say. We have to quit listening to what our president has to say. We have to believe what God's Word has to say. And we have to put complete confidence in what He has to say is above all things. And when we begin to trust that, and we begin to believe Him, we'll begin to dream the incredible and to do the impossible, because that's exactly what happened to this man. George Barna, a marketer, came out a few weeks ago and said, 9 out of 10 Americans believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, but yet only 3 out of 10 have ever professed to receiving Him as Lord and Savior of their life. So is it real faith? Because you see, when God gives us the opportunity, if He's going to demonstrate in our lives that you want to be changed, trust me. You want your marriage to be special? Trust me. You want to have a child and a relationship with that child and grandchild that's unlike any other child and relationship parent? Trust me. And it's in that moment the impossible begins to happen. Look, God demonstrates in my life all the time, it is possible for a father to have a good relationship with his three children. In fact, my wife says all the time, it's like having four. (laughs) See, my wife went out of town a couple of days ago, she just got back and, and I was in charge. Uh, really, I was in charge. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate that vote of confidence there, brother. Sure, I mean, we, uh, Stephanie leaves and she says, now look, we went to the store and bought you some salads and some, some grapes and some apples and some oranges. You should be healthy. And we waved goodbye to her. Hop in the car, kids, let's go get some cheeses and some chocolate. In fact, as Stephanie was driving away, my son said, Dad, are you going to be a mommy daddy or are you going to be a daddy daddy? And I said, what's the difference? He said, well, a mommy daddy says you have homework to do and you got to clean your room. And, but a daddy daddy says, let's go see a movie. <laughs> and so Thursday I was a mommy daddy. And Friday we saw a movie. It's possible. It's possible. It's possible. For your 14-year-old who still wants to come up and throw her arms around you and say she loves me. It's possible for my 7-year-old who still wants to sit in my lap. It's possible for my son who actually wants to spend time with his dad. And you know why? It's because I believe God's word. I believe God's word is the roadmap for how I should be a husband. I believe God's word is a roadmap for how I should be a father, how I should be a pastor, how I should be a neighbor, how I should be a friend. And everything that I find in this book, I believe to be true. And it changes lives. It allows me to do... Look, in this world, it is almost impossible to raise kids. My pastor always says that parenting is the impossible job. But apart from Christ, it's not, because I take Him at His word. So, here's what I would leave you with. That at the beginning of our story, our man starts off with a very satisfied faith, but he ended up with a saving faith. At the beginning of our story, this man was more interested in the promises of Jesus, but now all of a sudden, he met the person of Jesus. At the beginning of our story, he was more interested in signs, but he discovered that there's a Savior to believe. Folks, never, ever, ever, ever believe that salvation comes by just believing in the Word of God. But instead, we're to believe in the God of the Word. And the whole purpose of God's Holy Word is to push us into the arms of Jesus. And it's in that fresh one-on-one encounter... That you begin to dream. And it's in that one-on-one encounter that you begin to do the impossible. And it's there in that moment that I believe it puts a great big smile on the face of God. Because that's what He desires. And that's what He created us to do. Is to trust Him. Nothing makes His day more for us to come to Him and say, Okay, God, if that's what you say, that's what I'll do does a world for me as dad. See, because while Stephanie was out of town, the dishwasher was on the blank. So there's dad. And I wish somebody had taken a picture because there I was with my head up underneath the dishwasher and my little seven-year-old holding the flashlight. Dad, I don't see any water. <laughs> well, that's good. <laughs> Dad, I don't see any water. Maybe it's working. And at the end of the night, when Stephanie comes home, you know what they say? Mom, Dad, fix the dishwasher! (laughs) Dad is great. They trust me. And I trust my father. That when I'm hurting, when I'm in grief, when there's fear... When there's doubt, when there's uncertainty, who do I trust? I trust the God of the Word. And it's through the Word of God that I'll have that fresh encounter with Him more and more and more. See, I believe that God wants us to dream, but I believe God wants us to do the impossible. See, I I believe that the church has lost her influence. And the reason why the church has lost her influence is because we've lost confidence in the Word of God. and We've lost confidence in the God of the Word. So this Thanksgiving, you know what I would challenge you to do? I would challenge you to come back to this place where we discover in God's Word that God can Be trusted. And it's in that one fresh encounter that we discover how much we have to be thankful for. So tonight, you're dealing with grief. I would invite you to come and to lay your grief at this altar and to stand and declare, "In God, will you trust? that that you're afraid of, that you're experiencing fear of, I I would challenge you to come to this altar and lay that fear and to say, God, in you will I trust. That uncertainty and the doubt that you're struggling with right now, I would challenge you to come to this altar and to lay it on the altar of God and to stand and declare, and God will I trust. And in that moment, the dream Becomes possible, and you'll begin to do the impossible as well. So, what say you? See, it's more than just reading. But let's start there. So, how many of you will commit to me? with me to read the Word of God this year from beginning to end. How many of you would say, in my grief and in my fear and in my certainty, as I read through God's Word this year, I will say, in God will I trust. Let's start there. Because God's calling us to a higher level of trust. And the only way we can find it Is right here. Will you pray with me? Lord, I do believe that you want us to dream incredible dreams. And Lord, I believe that you want us to do the impossible. But yet God, tonight, remind us that without faith, it's impossible to please you. So Lord, we need you to grow our faith. God, we need you to remind us that you're a God who can do anything. God, you gave us Jesus. And if you'll just and if you gave us Jesus, then you'll give us anything else we need. So church, can I invite you just to stand with me tonight? And I don't know, I don't know what all is going through your heart and your mind and in your life and in your family. But I do believe that for the church to regain its influence, we have to recapture our faith and our confidence in a God who can do anything. And so if you're willing to join me this year in reading through your Bible from cover to cover, can I just invite you just to throw your hand in the air? From beginning to end, I will read my Bible from front to back. And I'll even say this, if you need a guide, I can, if you just give me your email address, I can email you what I use. But I would challenge you tonight, if there's grief in your heart, to come to this altar there's fear in your life, to come to this altar. If there's uncertainty and doubt in your life, to come to this altar. And to declare to our God above, in Him will we trust. So, Holy Spirit, whatever you lead us to do in these next few moments, Lord, I pray that you would disturb our hearts into action. God, will you shake us from our seats. God, will you just rattle our bones out of the complacency of where we're stuck. And Lord, may tonight we have a revival of our Bible. And it's all these things that we pray. Amen.